following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Our first scripture reading this morning is a set of verses from early in the book of Genesis. Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the other Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the ancestor of those who live in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the ancestor of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah bore Tubal Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. The early chapters of the Bible describe our basic human condition. The description of these early generations portrays ancient human behavior, and these verses contain a fascinating insight as they describe the fundamental activity that characterized all ancient humans. Jabal, we are told, was the ancestor of those who live in tents and have livestock. One fundamental human activity was raising food. People eventually had livestock, they sowed seed for grain and fruit, people were involved in farming. Tubal Cain, we are told, made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Another fundamental human activity was craftsmanship. People made tools and also pottery and clothing and furniture and so forth. Jubal, we are told, was the ancestor of all those who play the lyre and pipe. This verse is the most striking one, for it suggests that along with food raising and craftsmanship, the other fundamental human activity common to all ancient peoples was music. We might tend to think that music and the arts in general would be a later addition to human civilization. That you know, once people had plenty of food and clothing, then they could devote energy to music and the arts. But in fact, all human societies, however primitive they might be technologically, have music. And in ancient caves, we find paintings on the walls. Music is fundamentally important for human living because music is how people express their spirituality. Jesus would later say that people do not live by bread alone. People need more than grain and a mill and an oven but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need spiritual health, and we express our spiritual life in music. Music has thus always been at the heart of worship, and we'll be considering this morning how music was at the center of biblical worship throughout the centuries. Today, as we experience music in worship, it is important to recognize that music is not an adornment, something extraneous to Christian worship. It is fundamental for how human beings respond to God. Let us pray. Guide us, Lord, this morning as we respond through music to the movement of your spirit among us and as we lift our hearts to you in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the Old Testament story unfolds, the central act of God's deliverance is marked with a song. When God brought the people of Israel through the sea, delivering them from the Pharaoh, the book of Exodus reports, then Miriam, 
Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for God is highly exalted. Both horse and rider, driver God has hurled into the sea. All the people of Israel then joined in singing an expanded version of that song, which is called the Song of the Sea. The Song of Miriam and the Song of the Sea are both written in very archaic Hebrew from the time of the Exodus. They are the oldest songs recorded in the Bible. They reflect the fact that all human beings throughout the ages have responded to God's gracious activity with singing. Biblical people continued to sing praises to God and those songs became a regular part of biblical worship. The Bible reports that when the temple was built by King Solomon and was consecrated for worship, all the Levitical singers, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. It was the duty of the trumpeters and singers together to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. With trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, the song was raised in praise to the Lord. God is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. And the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. You get the picture that there were multiple sorts of instruments being used in the praise of God, a practice that we continue today. And they must have had a lot of singers to keep up with those 120 trumpets. I don't think they had any trouble making themselves heard. The cloud that filled the temple on the day that it was consecrated was a mystical sign of the presence of God. The message is that when people join in worship, God is truly present with them. We know that biblical worship going forward was characterized by music and singing. The Psalms are the hymn book of the Bible, utilized regularly in the worship of the temple. Many of the Psalms were sung. Some of them have musical notations, indicating, for example, the tune that was to be used. Unfortunately, we have no record of the tunes. Multiple psalms contain language about singing and praising God with instruments, and we'll be hearing some of those psalms in our next scripture reading. What is clear in it all is that music in worship was never a form of entertainment. It was a profound way by which people experienced God's presence recognized God's goodness and delivering power, and lifted their hearts in praise to God. Let us pray. Inspire us, O God, today, as we recognize your gracious presence with us, and as we give to you the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. The central role of music and expressing faith continues in the New Testament. Have you ever imagined Jesus singing a hymn? The Gospels say that he did. After the Last Supper, the Gospels of Matthew and Mark say of Jesus and the disciples, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This was certainly not the first time they had joined in singing hymns. As people following the resurrection came to faith in Jesus Christ, singing continued to be a central part of what the church did. Paul refers to this in his letter to the Colossians, where he wrote, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. He makes a similar statement in his letter to the Ephesians, where he writes, Be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. These two verses contain the same phrase, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, indicating there were different types of songs in use in the church. The people sang the psalms as people in Israel had done for centuries. The people also sang hymns, in the original Greek, the word is hymnos, which is the direct root of our word hymn. In the ancient world, a hymn was simply a song of praise. You could sing a hymnus to praise some human hero. But in the church, a hymn became a song of praise to God. The hymns of the early church were like our hymns. They were songs that people created and learned in order to lift up thankfulness for God's gifts, and to give glory to God. The people also sang spiritual songs. The original Greek word here for song, ode, is the direct root of our word, ode. This is a broad category, which would have included all sorts of tunes or chants. In the early church, it is thought to refer to more spontaneous or impromptu or informal singing. The basic picture you get in all this is that in the early church, they used various kinds of music, and we do the same today. By having different styles of music in our contemporary and traditional services, and also within those services, we follow the New Testament pattern of singing many different sorts of songs. But the key element in these verses is that people were making melody to the Lord, as it is said in Ephesians. Today, people have access to a lot of music, far more than any previous times did. You can tune into a massive number of songs in all different styles, and you can be listening to music all day. But much of the music in our contemporary society is not making melody to the Lord. For years, my son Joshua, who just finished his senior season playing varsity soccer at Mount Union, has been a huge fan of Manchester United, uh, one of England's top Premier League teams. I remember the first time that I heard the fans at Old Trafford Stadium singing the Manchester United song. It is based, as you may know, on the Battle Hymn of the Republic, the Civil War era song that we in the church use as a hymn celebrating God's liberating power. But at Old Trafford, instead of singing glory, glory, hallelujah, the fans sang glory, glory, man united. Actually, they do the same thing at Tottenham and at Leeds, who both use that same song, but of course substitute their team name for the word hallelujah. It is all in good fun, but I have to wonder if it is not one small indicator of how much our modern music has been drained of its spiritual content. The heart of what we do in church music is that we are lifting our spirits in praise to God. The scriptures show this kind of spiritual movement continuing into all eternity. 
In the book of Revelation, there are multiple scenes of heavenly choruses surrounding the throne of God. One of those visions is in Revelation 15, where John writes, I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had conquered the beast and its image standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not revere and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. This passage is the source of the idea that you'll get a harp when you get to heaven. More seriously, it contains the marvelous image of the eternal song. When we join in the music of worship, we are connecting with the heavenly host and with our own destiny to share forever in the joy of heaven. We are very blessed to be in a church where music is a great strength of the congregation. We have marvelous musicians, including many musicians beyond the ones who are leading this morning. As good as our musicians are, they would all tell you that they do not do this for applause. The applause is to go to God. And this is what our music is about. It is the means by which we give glory to God. Johann Sebastian Bach had it right when he signed all of his music, Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give thanks that we can share in the songs of the ages, the words of praise that have echoed from the beginning of the biblical story and that will continue to resound for all eternity. Lead us as we continue to grow in our faith, as we rejoice in the gifts of music and as we join together to give to you the praise. We pray in the name of Jesus, with whom we join in that everlasting song of the church, as we rejoice in the everlasting life that we have through him. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.